everybody, and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and we have a very special episode for you today. We are talking Marvel Phase 4. This is uh, of the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we are. this is going to mark our beginning into the descent into December of uh, all of our episodes coming up, uh, barring a couple of episodes around a specific film. Uh, being our end of the year episodes, which I am beyond excited for. So um, look forward to towards the end of the month. Um, I'll have out a uh, top movies of the year, a top television series of the year, and then also top movie, uh, top albums, top music of the year. And part of that too, though, is at the end of this year, after Black Panther uh, came out and now Guardians of the Galaxy, is the end of Phase 4, the phase that kicked off the brand new direction for the MCU, uh, starting with Black Widow and uh, ending now again with Guardians of the Galaxy, um, the holiday special. So um, two years worth of content, which is pretty crazy because the phases in the prior films, uh, or prior, I guess, series, were much longer, right? They were years and years, some of them almost getting close to more than five years. But going forward, a lot of the MCU phases are only a year long, which is really interesting. Obviously, things have changed since then. There's more content that can be put out at once. Uh, which you know we're all pretty grateful for, I'd say. Uh, but this was a uh, this was quite the phase. I had to do a lot of soul searching on this, and part of the reason I'm so excited to talk about this uh, talk about this topic is so that I can just stop talking about this topic because uh, you all don't see this because you're only listening to me through a podcast. But I have spent the last few weeks agonizing over Phase 4. I mean, I've spent the entire year agonizing over the best TV, albums, the uh, movies, and it's one of those things where it's it's part of my personality. I like ranking things. I like making lists. I love making lists. And I've grown to hate it because I just having to put something that you love above or below something else that you love is really hard. Um, I wish that we could do some sort of ranking of something that's not as hard, <laughs> like uh, some of the other rankings we've done in the past for certain film series, but especially with Phase 4, this this proved to be an incredibly difficult phase to rank. Um, now, the phase in general, that's the other piece of it as well. I had mentioned on a prior podcast, or definitely to some people, that I think Phase 4 is my favorite phase. And as I was reading through or looking through my rankings of all the movies, I was starting to question that because I was like, wow, hang on there, hang on a minute. Phase 3 had Captain America Civil War, Thor Ragnarok, and both of the Infinity War and Endgame films. And all four of those are in the top of my MCU. And a lot of these other Phase 4 movies are sort of in that same realm but none of them, re- a few of them do. And, and like I said, you know, this again, this is the mental gymnastics that I've been having to do. And so sitting there, um, you know, part of me still thinks that I like phase four more. So, I, you know, I'm sure there are arguments that can be made to, um, to say whether phase three or even phase two or one are better than phase four. And I think that's perfectly fine. I, I love those arguments because there's pa- there's always passion behind those sort of arguments. But when you're talking about a specific person and their opinion on things, which is right and wrong, uh, it's neither right or wrong. For me, I think I'm going to say that phase four is my favorite phase. And the reason for that, the main reason is because 
there was just so much diversity in this phase, and that is what I'd kind of been dying for towards the end of phase three. And um, just diversity in all areas, right? Diversity in cast, diversity in behind the screen, behind the screens, behind the scenes, uh, but also kind of a diversity in plot. So not to say that the films in phase three were all the same, but only to say that all of the films in phase three were and one and two arguably were all building towards Infinity War and Endgame. And this phase, again, a lot of people have argued they don't like this, that the phase feels like it's aimless, that it's wandering around and nothing's really linking to other things. And again, I've cautioned that, you know, just because you think that things should be connected does not mean that Marvel thinks that and they don't really listen to us on a singular scale, right? You know, they love hearing our feedback, but they've got a plan in place and you just got to trust the process. And so when you have a phase like this where really it does feel aimless, and in my opinion, that's a good thing. There are so many different paths that this phase has blazed as it has gone through, right? We've got the multiverse. It means the part the beginning of the multiverse saga. So you've got stuff talking about the multiverse, which is something that I love. Um, you've got everything coming out of Black Panther, right? You know, now these new warring superpowers like Talokan. Um, so what's going on there? No idea. How about everything that they talked about in the Eternals, right? There's a giant celestial uh, out in the Pacific Ocean and the Eternals are gone and they're going to come back at some point. What's going on there? Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Think about what's going on there, right? The incursions. You've got all of the different artifacts that have been brought up now, the things that were created in the Eternals. You've got Miss Marvel's bangle. You have Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. There are all these, and think about like Moon Knight, what that has set up. WandaVision, Loki cracked things wide open, all of this stuff. So, and, and that's just tipping the iceberg at what they explored in Phase 4. And so there's a lot of spots here where I think... Um, Funny enough, in my opinion, I liked this, that we have now gotten to the point where there are Marvel movies that certain Marvel fans don't really like and that others really love and vice versa. And I'd been waiting for that. We had talked about that in some of our prior episodes of it's it's going to get to that point, right? If you are a movie studio like Marvel and you're putting out products like this, you have to continue to diversify. You have to. Your portfolio needs to. Otherwise, you're just making the same stuff over and over, and it turns into a boring slog, something that you don't even really want to watch. And they did not do this, but the downfall of making things so diverse is that certain people are going to love certain things and other people are going to not. And that's okay. That's the whole point of it. That's how this sort of stuff survives. And so in that sense too, I've, you know, I, I don't like that it has caused a lot of disagreements, but I appreciate phase four for giving us a lot more conversation to talk about versus everyone saying, oh, you saw uh, Civil War? I loved Civil War. Oh, me too. That movie was awesome. Now we get to have those things of, ah, you know, I didn't really like this. And someone else says, oh, well, why not? I loved it. And so we get to have, you know, I, I guess a more more diverse conversations, which again is something that we desperately need as humans. So in that sense, I think um, phase four has been my favorite phase. So, uh, you know, shout out in the comments. Let me know how wrong I am. And I will let you know just how much I <laughs> don't care. Uh, so we've got uh, 18 properties that came out during these last two years. And uh, I've ranked them. I uh, is under duress as always, and I think I have gotten right to a good spot where I'm ready to share them, and I will do that. Let's dive then right now. 
All right, starting at number 18, the bottom of the pack. Any guesses? It is I Am Groot, the series of shorts featuring the seedling Groot along with several new and unusual characters. Just reading that off of the IMDb summary. Uh, To point out and make a point, again, I I, I do all of my reviews and rankings on IMDb, and uh, that's the Internet Movie Database for those of you that don't know. They have a really great way of ranking everything. It's on a 1 to 10 star scale. I know I've talked about this before, but if anyone's new listening, welcome. Um, for me, this uh, series, I guess you could say, this is the very bottom of the pack, and I have it. I gave it a seven out of ten. So in my eyes, a seven is good. It is a good movie. Um, you know, I enjoyed it, sort of thing. Obviously, there's issues with it, and there are things that I'm not a fan of. Think of it. It's kind of like on a grading scale, right? You know, so this is in the 70s as a paper, which is passing. So that's good. Um, so that the good news of that being again, phase four, there's really nothing here that I didn't openly dislike. There are bits and pieces of certain properties that I didn't like, but overall, each and every one of them I enjoyed, and I was really happy that we got. There's nothing that really made me kind of roll my eyes yet. So um, again, I am Groot's down there. It's I think it's five shorts, and they're all like three minutes long. So to me, I don't even know why they made this besides proving that they could also do something animated like Pixar, which congrats, Marvel, you did, and it was it was good. Again, you know, I've made no secret that the Guardians are not at the top of my favorites list. Uh, they're great movies, no doubt, but I just... If you were to ask me if I wanted to watch something about Groot, I would have probably said no. Uh, and I did say no, but we still got it anyway, right? Because, again, they don't listen to us in that regard, so we have to enjoy the things that we have. And I did. Uh, there were some pretty funny bits in them, and obviously Baby Groot was adorable. Um, but like I said, you know, this is it wasn't really made for me, right? It's made made more for some for little kids, and that's totally fine, right? We've got to get stuff for everybody. Uh, so that's number 18. <clears throat> number 17. First movie of the bunch, Black Widow. Uh, this is a really sad state of affairs, I would say. I'm bummed that I have to put Black Widow down this far, but that's just the way that it runs. This film was doomed from the start because we could have gotten a Black Widow tr- Black Widow trilogy during and coming up through the Avengers films. That first Avengers movie could have ended, and then we would have had a Black Widow movie within Phase 2. And then we could have had a second Black Widow movie after um, Age of Ultron. And then we could have had a third Black Widow movie uh, right before Infinity War. And I just, again, there's there's a lot of pieces to this film that I really liked. It is weird. It's one of those movies that I think about quite a bit. Uh, there's certain scenes in this movie that I just absolutely love. Everything with Yelena was phenomenal. Scarlett Johansson did a great job with what she had as well. Uh, I loved her white suit. I loved the, you know, the snow prison breakout. But there's just some bits of it, too, that, you know, the story is very, you know, there's not a lot of surprises in it. And some of those surprises are a little, huh, specifically things like Taskmaster. Again, didn't hate it. Um, And I will say there are things that I really loved about this, like the score. I would put this as one of the best scores that I've heard from an MCU film. And you heard it here. I actually have this score on vinyl because I liked it so much. Lauren Balfe was phenomenal. Um, it was a very brutal movie, too. So there was a lot of intense scenes, and I liked that, too. Uh, but like I said, it just <clears throat> little too little too late, and there it didn't break any new ground because, I mean, this is the same sort of thing that I'm saying about Andor, about Obi-Wan. Like, we know what happens in this. These prequel films 
are so unnecessary at this point. And really, it was made prequel, I'm sure, because, oh, we know we should have made another movie sooner and we didn't. But hey, that's the whole point of Phase 4, right? Marvel has change their trajectory if you you were to you can't say that marvel isn't diverse anymore they're they're working really hard at that and this phase proves it um unfortunately again some of this stuff should have been done a long time ago but they're here they made it and they are still continuing to work we still got to hold them accountable and uh, i think they know that too because uh the stuff coming up is very diverse as well so that's number 17 black widow number 16 the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. So this moves us into our eight category. So for me, an eight is great. Uh, better than a seven, obviously. And I'm sure you could guess not as good as a nine. Surprise, surprise. But this special, um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to having it be the sort of thing that I watch during the holidays. Uh, but it, you know, and it moves the needle in some regards. But like I said, I just, I'm not a huge it's not that I'm a huge Guardians fan. There's, been, I love Rocket. Rocket's probably my favorite Guardian of them all. This special made me love Mantis, uh, and we, you know, and I don't want to. I'm not going to repeat the wheel because you can hear all of my opinions on the holiday special in the prior episode of the podcast. Uh, but safe to say, Drax is not. Drax is my least favorite of the Guardians, and so that we got to see him here again and doing more of the same stuff that he does. I uh, did not enjoy. Uh, I did. Now, again, I'm trying not to be mean about it. I, I enjoyed it. It was enjoyable, but I just, I'm not a Drax guy and I'm barely a Mantis guy, but after watching this, I definitely turned into a Mantis fan. So, um, there's at least that we got to see Cosmo. That was great. And obviously this is so, it's such a heartfelt special. So that part of it was really uh, nice too. Um, and that's why it's there. So again, you know, towards the bottom of the pack, but we're in the eights now, so this is where, you know, if, if you're any type of movie, eights are better, that's where you want to be for, for this guy. So, number 15, um, <clears throat> What If? First uh, series on here, well, technically the second, but What If was a really hard one for me to rank because I love this show. And there are so many episodes in here that are so good. The uh, the Ultron episode, the Doctor Strange episode, um, and but there's also some that aren't very good, like the Killmonger episode and the Thor episode, which is good. The Captain Marvel bits are amazing, but there's just, I don't know, there's bits and pieces of it that I love. There's other pieces that I don't. And again, you're going to start seeing that as a theme, but as a cohesive unit of a show, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. And the idea of exploring the multiverse is fascinating. We're going to be getting more seasons of this coming out soon as well. Uh, so that makes me really excited. But yeah, so that's where it sits, right? I mean, it doesn't, nothing in it yet has affected the the further MCU besides us getting to see Captain Carter in real life. Um, but yeah, so what if is at number 15. And shortly after that is number 14, which is Thor Love and Thunder. That's right. This movie has fallen a little bit in my list since the last time we spoke. And this is kind of an interesting one to think about because I've seen a lot of uh, pieces on this uh, movie since it came out and some thoughts from people on it as well. And it, it seems like one of those instances of a movie that was really fun to see. It, it's kind of like that, that best friend who's really, really funny. Uh, but then when you you know, hear them over and over telling the same jokes. You're like, oh yeah, this guy's kind of one dimensional. And not to say Taika Waititi is that way, but I, I think the magic that was captured in Thor Ragnarok 
it seemed like they said, or that Taika said, let's go even crazier. And in doing so, I think that caused the character work to just completely fall off the face of the map on this movie. I still gave it an eight. I really enjoyed it. Like this was a great movie we get to see. And the reason it's so high on this list, if you want to call it high, is because of Natalie Portman, obviously. Um, and Natalie Portman as Jane Foster Thor, uh, even more so. I mean, everything with that was just amazing. But, you know, just, just there's a lot of jokes. Not No one died in this movie besides the, the god at the very beginning. And you got a character named the God Butcher, yet we don't see a single death from him except in the beginning. There's just, the movie's barely even two hours. It wasn't even two hours. It was probably an hour and 50 minutes. So one of those instances where a couple of more minutes added onto this film for character development, maybe a little bit more of a, not necessarily a serious tone, but to at least try and get something to come across as serious, uh, I'm just nervous. And I, it seems like almost Chris Hemsworth feels the same way, that this has put Thor into a spot of no return at this point. And I don't, I don't truly believe that. I think, you know, you could put him in anything and he could be a serious character again, or he could be taken seriously. But after this film, it's going to be tricky to do so because he has been turned into a punchline. And for, for both, for the good and the bad, right? I mean, I enjoyed it. There's so many jokes in this film that I found incredibly funny. Uh, but at the same time, you know, after the 50th time I hear that goat scream, I'm not really a fan of hearing those anymore. And uh, same with a lot of the other jokes that were in here. So like I said, this film may have been higher up on the list earlier in the year, but it has fallen because... Every time I think about, ooh, should I, you know, maybe I'll rewatch this movie. I always decide not to just because I, I'm like, I know what I'm going to get in this. It's just a bunch of spot, some really funny moments and Natalie Portman and a very hunky Thor and Valkyrie. And then we're going to get a lot of cringe from the goats and Korg and gore and just the fact that, you know, not, and, and it's so cool, too, that we got to see Infinity or Eternity, and then we also got to see Infinity and some of the other, you know, embodiment-type characters at the end. Um, so there's there really is. There's a lot to love about this movie. Um, and I do. I, I'd say, I'd like, you know, I'm definitely more in the love category than the thunder category. But, like I said, um, it's got to get put somewhere on this list, and it, it's definitely fallen a little further down. How, how the mighty have fallen. Uh, which does make me excited for hopefully we get another Thor movie. Um, something that maybe not even course corrects, but just continues to evolve him. I, I would just love to see a continuation of where we left off at the end because we, we left it off in a very interesting spot. And I, I just, I'm, I'd love to see where it goes. I also want more Tessa Thompson. Is that a bad thing? Do I, is it a bad thing to want more Natalie Portman because we didn't get enough of either of them? Um, we didn't get enough really of anybody because the movie was a little too short. Uh, but that is number 14. So number 13, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. Uh, another really great show uh, that I had an absolute blast watching. Obviously, there are some moments in the show that I was not a huge fan of. Um, some jokes that just didn't land. Um, a lot of the, you know, I learned to love Madison and Wong, but there's still some cringe there. Uh, and then there's just, I don't know, there's some of the characters. The lady who plays the shape-shifting elf, I wasn't really a fan of her. Uh, and again, I know I'm trying to I'm trying to find the nitpicks of why it's down here so low because some of the things that I loved about this is obviously Tatiana Maslany as She-Hulk, Jennifer Walters, her relationships with all the other phenomenal cast members like uh, Ginger Gonzaga, uh, Jamila Jamil, and um, 
you know, basically every character in here I really enjoyed. Jamila Jamil grew on me a little bit. I hope we see more of her going forward to give her more meaning because she felt very one-dimensional as I was re-watching the show. Uh, there's just a lot in here that I was like, oh, okay, like, it, it's a it's a half-hour comedy, law comedy. Like, sitcoms are very hit and miss for me. Uh, the comedy has to be, I have a very particular brand of comedy, and this hit on some of it, for sure, but just in some of the other pieces, it didn't. Um, you know, the CGI was a little off as well, <clears throat> but the story was great. We got to see Daredevil. We got to see her figuring out who she is figuring out who she wants to be going forward. And that's a really powerful message for so many people out there. And so that, to me, that's that's the biggest reason why I loved it. That and we got, we got the Heim song. So a um, uh, lot to love, but also, you know, some things that I wasn't as big a fan of as well. All right, number 12, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, this was a tricky one. And, and we're getting into this category now where it's just, it's, it's tricky to rate this stuff. And I hate, I just hate it. Um, these are all eights. So this was also a great show. Um, I really enjoyed it. There's some pieces of it that, you know, could have probably been fleshed out a little more. I will admit like, uh, Sharon Carter, I loved her in this. I thought her trajectory in this was really interesting. Um, and I have a feeling we're going to get more of it in Secret Invasion, perhaps, um, but if not, I wish we could have seen a little bit more of her. Zemo was phenomenal. Everything with Sam and Bucky was amazing. Uh, but at the end of the day, when you're looking at this show, it was a six-episode show to get you to almost the exact same spot that Sam left off at the end of Avengers Endgame. And that is not to discount anything that happens in the show. I think everything in it was completely necessary in talking about race and what he's having to go with as the first black Captain America, or in this case, technically the second one. And uh, that to me was fascinating. I loved that Marvel went there. I loved that they were real about it. Uh, and I ate all of it up. But again, when you zoom out, it really was by the very end of this up the very end of the series is when you get to see him in his costume and so this was when we first started seeing the marvel method of not seeing the superhero in their costume till the very last episode of the show and that was felt in this there was a there, i mean especially when that last second to last episode ended with him opening up the box for his costume and you didn't even get to see it i remember openly being like you have got to be kidding me uh and again it wasn't it's still an eight it's still a really great show but those are the kind of nitpicks that i had about it like we could have gotten so much more had we done some of those things in the very beginning or obviously if this had been more than six episodes but we got what we got everything with john walker was very fascinating everything with the um uh, what are they called the flag smashers uh was good uh they were kind of wouldn't call them the best villains ever but they had some compelling arguments to make as well and uh and yeah so that's that's where i'm leaving it it's at number 12 on the list uh number 11 is hawkeye and so this one uh, this one fluctuated with Falcon and the Winter Soldier for basically the entire these last two years of flipping them back and forth. I like Falcon more. No, I like Hawkeye more. And I settled with Hawkeye because I love that it's Christmas themed. But then also um, there's some more cool characters in here that I like more than the characters in, in, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Namely, I love Kate Bishop uh, and I love Echo. Uh, Maya Lopez. So seeing them both in the show was awesome. Also getting a little bit of Yelena was really nice in the show, though I did speak on that a bit. Uh, also, this this series 
uh, did an absolutely stellar job capturing the Hawkeye comics, which I loved. Uh, and I've never really been into Falcon or Winter Soldier in the comics. So uh, that's kind of why I had bumped it up to there. But like I said, Hawkeye was just great. Um, same thing it kind of falls into, which is just that whole, you know, nothing really crazy happens until the final episode, especially costume wise. Um, you know, everything with the LARPers, I just, it didn't work for me. I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of that. The Tracksuit Mafia was great too. They were cringy uh, in the best way. Uh, there's some gr amazing fights in here. I loved everything um, that was with, you know, Clint having to deal with hearing loss, all the sign language that was in there, the a ASL. Um, all of that worked really well. Kate's mom, same thing. And Kingpin's in this too. Like, holy cow. We got a huge connection to Daredevil in this show. And so that definitely gave it a couple of extra points. But that brought us to number 11. So we are now into the top 10, which is a, uh, this is a, <clears throat> I'm really excited to have you guys hear this because there's, there's a lot of stress and a lot of struggle over the last two weeks on this, uh, this ranking list here. So we'll see, see if you agree, see if you disagree. We'll start with number 10, Moon Knight. I loved Moon Knight. So now, and, th and this is the piece of it too, we are now in the nines and tens, which is what made it so hard to rank these because, uh, you know, a nine and a 10, how do you even rank tens? They're all in my eyes, some form of a masterpiece. And same with, same with the nines. They're in my, a nine to me is incredible. There's, you know, maybe one or two things that are holding it back from pure perfection. Obviously nothing's perfect, but um, yeah, so it was a struggle. So Moon Knight is my number 10. Uh, I love Moon Knight. I've always been a fan of Moon Knight, the Moon Knight comics. I have a painting of him in my office. Uh, he's just a cool character because I always loved Egypt growing up. And uh, to have this guy fully dressed in white fighting bad guys uh, in Egypt was just always really cool. Not only that, but the multiple personalities, right? And we got to experience that in this first season. Uh, but there were a couple of pieces that I wasn't a huge fan of. That whole first episode... Uh, was it wasn't that it was confusing it played better for someone who doesn't know who Moon Knight is I think and me knowing to it just felt like they were buying time and, and I got it like we've got to explain that he has multiple personalities but um, it just felt like there, there's some bits of slowness in the show where I was wanting to get to something and then um, there's a lot of uh, erratic behavior in this show too and that's at, on purpose that part I actually really liked and so once we start getting to the point where we're starting to discover things uh, and we start to see his suit and seeing him fight. And then once we finally get them get him to Egypt, uh, that's when the show really kicked up for me and just went into overdrive until the end. I mean, a giant alligator, just oh, just phenomenal. Like, I loved all of that. I thought that was all great. So really, like I said, very few complaints about this. I'm very excited to see if we get a second season. I really hope we do. I have a good feeling we're gonna. Um, but yeah, so very happy to have Moon Knight in my top 10. Number nine. This one is uh, is a very, this is a fresh spot because I had this ranked a lot higher and I just kept thinking, I think I'm giving it too much credit right now. And so I wanted to get this right uh, and, and to say, and I know we're, we're almost 30 minutes in and I haven't said it yet, but I, and all of you should too, reserve my right uh, to change this list whenever I want because I'm constantly revising these lists. Uh, this is Werewolf by Night. I had Werewolf by Night very close to the top. Uh, I gave it a 10 out of 10. Uh, but there are some pieces of it that, you know, there's a little bit of overacting by the lady who plays Verusa. 
Um, and then there's and some of the other characters too. The guy that gets the arrow shot through his uh, his mouth, he's overacting at one point. And I don't know if if that's on purpose, that's fine too. But I'm still calling it out. Um, and that, again, that's the sort of nitpicks that I'm having to find for the source. I gave it a 10 out of 10 because it's a special. What are you going to do? Like it's not even going to show up in the best movies because it's a TV special, but I moved it down a little bit into here. Um, so that's kind of where you can see from here. This has more of my favorite things. I love Elsa Bloodstone. I love man thing. Uh, I've started becoming a huge werewolf by night fan. Uh, read a bunch of his comics kind of getting up to the show. So, um, I, and I, you guys know, I'm a sucker for horror. I am a sucker for Halloween. And on top of that, I am betrothed to the universal monster movie. So, um, just having all of that come together and coalesce in this perfect piece, uh, was amazing. Uh, but again, it, it, it's only 52 minutes long. And to me, that's where I'd argue that's, that's what I struggled with, with this is I'm like, okay, I'm going to rank this up extra high because if you were to ask me, what, what do you want to watch? Do you want to watch <clears throat> just as an example, would you want to watch Avengers Endgame or Werewolf by Night? I would say Werewolf by Night every single time because it's only 52 minutes. So you can watch Avengers Endgame when you're done. But if you watch Avengers Endgame, you're three hours in and you're done. So there's just, it's, it's tough to do this. And that's why I feel bad for all of these websites and, and people who are trying to rank this stuff. It's like, it just seems unfair. But at the same time, we well, we don't have to do it, but we got to do it. We got to put them on there. We got to rank them. So that's number nine, Werewolf by Night. I'll be watching that every Halloween. All right, number eight. Uh, let's we'll see how this goes over. Uh, and this was another one, tossing and turning. Number eight, Wandavision. Uh, I had uh, well, and I, I'll reveal it with the other one next year. But Wandavision were, is just an incredible piece of art. Uh, it is something that I both at the one point really wanted, and also never knew I needed. Because when I had heard that WandaVision was announced, I had assumed it was going to be identical to the Tom King story uh, where they create kids and all of this stuff, but it's more from Vision's perspective. And so once they started talking about it being sort of sitcom-y, uh, I just was like, wow, this is going to be this is going to be something special. And it was. It was the first show that Marvel ever put out. Um, and funny, I don't think it was supposed to be. I think Falcon the Winter Soldier was. But due to COVID, that was the first one that came out. We truly got that exploration and adoration for uh, sitcoms from every decade. Amazing. Tiana Paris is in this, as is Elizabeth Olsen, two of the greatest MCU um, actors right now. Uh, we also got Katherine Hahn, who is a you know up-and-coming star now at this point uh, in the MCU. Paul Bettany in it as well. And then we got some really great cameos, too, from Jimmy Woo, Darcy Lewis, um, so all of that was phenomenal, but there are some weak spots in the show too. And, and I will recognize that there's a couple of episodes that I wasn't as big a fan of like the, uh, um, it wasn't called while you were away the, the, it's like the eighties episode, I think where, uh, where the kids get the dog. That one was a little, um, you know, I, I don't know. I wasn't a huge fan of that one. And then also the finale as great as it was, it fell below the episode prior that previously on is one of the best episodes out there. And so it was a bummer to kind of go from that. And specifically with Tiana Paris, I was expecting them to have a little bit more of her in the finale. Everything with the Quicksilver Pietro uh, that was uh, Ralph Boner, uh, none of that worked for me. I wish that they'd have done something. I mean, I get it. It worked in the sense of, oh, yeah, but they were really building it up for it to be something else. 
And even it, it didn't have to be what everyone was wanting it to be. But at the same time, they kind of just brushed that off. And think of it like this, you know, you had this whole Ralph Boner situation. And unless you had watched the post credit scene, you would have no idea what ended up happening with that. To me, that's a little bit of a lack of storytelling in that regard. So again, there's a couple of little, little issues that I have with it. But you can't complain when we get to see Wanda fully become the Scarlet Witch and get her grubby mitts on the Darkhold which, as we all know, leads her down a very dark path going forward. And uh, speaking of that dark path going forward, let's move into number seven, which I kept flip-flopping and have been flip-flopping and will probably continue to flip-flop, Loki. Uh, I put Loki over WandaVision in this official podcast because... I am. I love uh, time travel. I love the multiverse. The idea of it, uh, more so than I love the idea of sitcoms. And so that was truly that was my final thing. Was that plus the finale? That last episode of Loki is one of the best episodes ever. And so to have them end on that crescendo versus Wandavision, sort of having kind of a, a you know lukewarm ending in that regard. And again. We're comparing two 9 out of 10s, so uh, I'm sorry if I'm having to really dig into some of these little tiny pieces, but that's where it is. Tom Hiddleston killed it. Owen Wilson, uh, Gugu Mbatha-Raw, and uh, just the list goes on and on for them as well. We got to see K- the first version of Kang. We got to see Jonathan Majors. Um, like I said, this this was great. And I, I, What I love about these series and shows, too, is I can think back on each of these to where I was, what was going on. Loki was during the summer, 4th of July-ish is when, you know, it was slowly starting to wrap up at that point. But man, I just, the possibilities for this show of what it brought forth uh, at the end, while we still haven't gotten the payoff yet, the payoff is coming. Uh, And same with WandaVision. I'm sure there's pieces of that too, but that's where it is again. You know, it's just really hard for me to rank those two. So that's where we're at. All right, we're almost into our top five. Number six. And before anyone gets upset at me for any, any of these next ones, I want to let you all know that within the last month, I have watched all of these. All of these next six, I have rewatched to make sure that I'm putting these all in the right area. And they are, uh, in my eyes, in my humble opinion, number six. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, uh, a near masterpiece of a film. We get, uh, you know, just, oh man, the martial arts in this, Zhai Ling is in this, obviously Simu Liu as Shang-Chi is phenomenal, uh, Tony Lung uh, as his father, Wen Wu, we get the beautiful opening dance scene. The Every fight in this movie is just perfection, and they are brutal too. The bus fight, the Macau fights, uh, the the final battle, and so the reason I have this at six and not a little bit higher, uh, and I did confirm this in the rewatch, actually pleasantly surprised. One of the biggest reasons was Aquafina. Don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of Aquafina. I find her very funny. I find her great in serious roles like The Farewell, and I just thought that she was a little cringy in this movie. When I rewatched it, that was not the case, and I was like, oh, okay, okay, and I, I think that must just be my opinion of her a little bit. Um, because when I was watching it, I did still enjoy her. She's got a couple of jokes that don't land, but overall, she's still very thoughtful and kind in it, and I appreciated that. Um, but truly, what sets this one off different is that final battle in Talo. Also, everything with Trevor Slattery. Um, I, again, I found Trevor Slattery to be hilarious. I thought he was a great addition. Um, but there's just 
some of the bits that he did were not that great. And uh, this final battle, <clears throat> not just being a little CGI heavy, but just the fact that we're going up against another giant monster, not only a monster, but a monster that has no name, right? The Dweller in Darkness. Uh, and it's all just like, again, I just, it's fine. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're, we're comparing apples to oranges. This movie is still a nine out of 10. I think that final battle is awesome. There's a lot of great fights in it, but you know, we get the quick end of death dealer. So we get no satisfaction from that storyline. Uh, and then we just get this whole bit of everyone getting their souls sucked out of their bodies. And, um, you know, we got to deal with that sort of thing. So, um, like I said, it, it was cool. The fact that they pulled that off in a, in a solo movie was incredibly impressive, but when I'm having to rank things, those are the pieces that I'm putting into place. So, uh, and I'll help I'll help you all to kind of explain where I'm at with these because it's a little easier than with the TV shows. Um, Shang Chi, I would give uh, probably like a nine point four as as my rating, maybe like a nine point five. So so there you go. Um, this next film, number five, probably be more like a nine point six. Uh, which is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And so uh, <laughs> before any of you on the, on there start cringing about that, uh, you got to hear me out on this. Uh, from what I've been seeing over the last year too is a lot of people who are huge fans of Sam Raimi have been really big fans of this movie. And I, I put myself in that category. So I think that's why I've enjoyed it more. I think this movie is so unique. Uh, the fact that we got to get a director's stamp like this on the movie is just is amazing, especially someone like Sam Raimi, who has such a kooky style that you just know immediately that it's him. Uh, and I could just list off all of the reasons why, but I have, we have a whole episode going over Dr. Strange. We have a whole episode for all of these properties. Uh, but this one was just great. We get Wanda as the villain of the film. Uh, which I loved. It was the perfect continuation of where she was at at the end of WandaVision. Um, and an unfortunate trajectory too, which I think makes it even better because to me, um, we know, I at least know that we're going to, she's going to get that moment in the sun where she finally gets the support she needs. She gets the love that she needs. Um, but her, her story is a tale of tragedy. And it's something that, you know, this is what happens to someone who has been teased with promises, but yet can't follow through. No one follows through on them. No one's there to support her. And she's been fed a ton of lies through this evil book. Um, and so, you know, I, it's, it's tough to say, and I, I get people's criticisms of it as well, but to me, it makes absolutely perfect sense. And again, to those of you that don't enjoy this movie, um, it, I'm sorry that you don't enjoy it. I feel bad that I'm getting such a, a, a razz out of it because uh, I'm telling you, when I went and saw Black Panther Wakanda forever, uh, I said to myself, and you heard me on that episode, I said, I can't decide whether I like it more than the Eternals or Dr. Strange. Uh, and, and literally that weekend I watched both. So I, I saw Dr. Strange a couple weeks ago and I, oh man, I was just, I was hooked. I loved it. Everything. The Illuminati was great. Uh, and there's some pieces again, it's not a perfect film, right? Um, there's still some pieces and issues. I wish it would have been just a little bit longer, uh, but for what it was trying to do and what they did do with it, I thought was just great. And again, if you need any more explanation, we've got a whole episode to get that for you. All right. Number four, uh, is the Eternals. So there we are, uh, the Eternals right there above Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I'd, I'd put the Eternals at like a 9.7, maybe a 9.8, uh, to open up with a crawl and then open up with a ship flying around the sun. And I know, I, I swear, I bet you I said that same exact thing in our four-hour episode about the Eternals. Um, so I won't say too much about it here other than I did rewatch it and I still love it. 
Um, this movie just captures so much for me. I love ancient civilizations. I love history. Um, I love immortal beings and I love space and giant creatures. And we got all of that. We get a really powerful story. Um, I will say Cersei and uh, Icarus's love story did not land for me, especially on this last rewatch. I was like, okay, they, they both look stiff as boards. But at the same time, they're all robots. So when you think about it from that context, and it was funny, I didn't even start thinking about that until it was revealed in the movie again. I was like, oh, that's right. Because I knew that they were, it was all a lie, but I forgot part of it was that they were synthetic, synth synthetically created. Uh, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, well, maybe they are a little stiff because they don't know what love looks like, right? They And maybe they do. Again, that's me trying to make an excuse. If you don't like it, you're not wrong because they do. They, they were a little stiff. But that relationship is not the only one in the movie, right? We get the Makari and Druid one, which is just brilliant. Um, also, Gilgamesh and Thena is amazing. We get Fastos and Brian, I think was his name. Um, just crazy that, you know, so much in there. Chloe Zhao put her directing stamp on this movie which was kind of in a sense terrence malick's uh directing style one of my favorite directors and chloe has now become one of my favorite directors because of this as well she pulled no punches she made a very a movie that was very much her and uh, i loved it for that so this movie will just i, I think it's going to continue to keep getting better with time um, especially as new stuff comes out that deals with the fallout from this film. Again, I know a lot of people complained that the fallout has not been dealt with yet. Trust me, there is no reason that it won't be. Like, it's going to be. You just got to give it time, right? Th Remember, these phases are super short, but the storytelling is going to be really long. All right, so that's number four. Uh, and are you doing the math in your head of what we've got left on this list? Uh, number three, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh, this, oh, this movie, I am so happy to put where it's at. This is another one I'd put, give, probably give it a 9.8 if I had to. Um, just a phenomenal film. Emotional, uh, powerful. Is it perfect? No. And are there pieces of it that I wish were different? Absolutely. Especially, um, pieces consider, concerning a certain Chadwick Boseman. And his, 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 uh, absence is felt in this movie. But the cast picks up the slack. And this now has become a Shuri film. And I love that because Shuri was one of my favorite characters from the first movie. And so really looking at it from that lens, uh, everything with Talokan and Namor was phenomenal, great. Uh, everything with Wakanda was great. I'm, you know, as I rewatched it, I went and saw it for a third time in IMAX and it was just gorgeous. Um, I just really couldn't find a lot that I didn't like about it. There were, again, were some certain pieces. The CIA stuff is unnecessary, but I'm glad it's there. Um, there's some lines of dialogue that, you know, didn't need to be there, but were, and they're, it's fine. So again, in terms of nitpicks, um, I don't have a lot to say about this movie other than, you know, it would have been cool to see a bunch of different people become the Black Panther, but at the same time for this to be a female driven film, um, especially one following after such a strong, uh, male driven film, uh, with so many female side characters, and now like the almost the whole cast is female, was really cool to see. And the fact that the fact that just that Ryan Coogler was able to pull this off after what was pulled off in the first movie, that to me alone puts it where it's at on this list because this movie could have been really bad, <laughs> especially if they. And hey, I was part of the recast T'Challa movement. I still want him recasted. I want another T'Challa in the MCU. And obviously, we have a son now. Uh, but who, and I don't know where any of that's going to go. All of my fears were put aside with this. I don't care if that's where they go. If they want to make it his son, fine. If they want to pull someone from another multiverse, fine. Because guess what? 
Shuri can handle herself, and if she can't, Nakia and Okoye are there, and now we have Anika and Oyo as well, or Ayo as well, uh, and Winston Duke is now the king of uh, Wakanda, I'm assuming. Um, just uh, like I said, I, I think it it would not have made sense if someone had been recasted in this movie. I think dealing with it actually in-universe it ended up making it a more diverse film and it ended up making it a different film. So, uh, you know, another feather in Marvel's cap for pulling off the impossible. Uh, all right, so now we are down to the last two, final two, top two, number two, Miss Marvel. Oh man, guys, I am so excited to talk about this one because uh, this has been like my secret one that I've been waiting to share uh, because I typically would not, It's depending on the film, uh, I, I wouldn't put a TV show over a movie because most of these Marvel movies are so good and the TV shows, it's tough to compare a TV show to a movie. Uh, and so as I look at these, again, the, these are compared based on the show as a whole. So it is not based on a specific episode. Uh, and like I said, I did just rewatch this again. So that would make it my fourth time, maybe. Uh, but this is, you know, kind of an all-in-one. I think we watched it over the span of three days or something, me and my cousins. And, oh my god, I, I loved the first episode even more than I already had. Um, second episode is, is basically a perfect episode of TV. The third episode got even better for me. The fourth episode, the Karachi episode, actually dwindled a little bit for me. I was like, eh, you know, there's some pieces of it that um, my cousins were saying that the chase sequences were very erratic, uh, which I agreed with. Um, but then the fourth, the fifth and sixth, the, those final episodes are just, it's, like I said, I can nitpick certain bits of episodes or say, yeah, this episode isn't as great, but as a whole, this show is perfection. I love everything about it. The positive representation, the relationships that Kamala has, her family, the idea of what it means to be a superhero, the idea of embracing who you are, the idea of family legacy and history, especially going back to great grandparents. Uh, the music in this is probably one of the best soundtracks, uh, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I would say it's better than Black Panther, but Black Panther does have the edge, uh, Wakanda Forever, for being an original soundtrack. Um, but even like Laura Cartman's score in here is, is something I'm continuously listening to. So I, like I said, there's not really a bad thing that I can find in here besides going like, oh yeah, there's a couple of moments of like, eh, you know, they probably didn't need to do that or, you know, X, Y, and Z. But overall I could find that for any movie so or series. So when I'm thinking about what my favorite MCU items are, Miss Marvel is towards the top of that list. Um, so wow yeah welcome like i said that's a big one and then number one surprising probably no one spider-man no way home i rewatched this yesterday and it was uh just as amazing and it um it's just a it's one of those movies where i don't like that it's up up top so high because it's like of course this would be there it's the end of the trilogy and all the spider-men are in there it's like but you're giving yourself pretty good reasons as to why that movie's up there. You know what I mean? Like, it, it always feels like, is this, I felt the same way with Avengers Endgame. I was like, well, okay, so we got to put that at the top of the list. And now every, you know, every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there is going to be, uh, you know, saying, oh, Avengers Endgame is my favorite movie of all time. And now they're all going to be saying Spider-Man No Way Home is, is my favorite movie. But, you know, it's kind of that way for a reason, right? This is a really good movie. This movie is near perfect. 10 out of 10. Uh, and I gave Miss Marvel a 10 out of 10 as well. Again, you know, even at a 10, you can argue, well, there's something here, there's something there. But man, this movie just has all of the emotion. 
It's got all of the feels. You bring all the villains back. You bring the heroes back. A couple of meaningful deaths. Holy cow. Um, it's It truly is. Uh, there's no way home after you watch this movie because... Uh, and Doctor Strange is in it, so come on. I mean, Doctor Strange is one of my favorite characters. Uh, so yeah, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, top of the list. And there you have it. So that is my Phase 4 ranked. How are you feeling? Are you agitated? Are you angry? Are you in agreement? Are you nodding your head? Uh, let me know. What's your what's your Phase 4 ranking? Is it close to this? Because um, I kind of hope it's not. I hope everyone has a little bit different of a Phase 4 list. That's the whole point in my eyes of Phase 4 is that these films were so diverse and so different that I'd expect everybody to have a little bit different of a list. And again, there's going to be those classics like Spider-Man No Way Home that'll be up towards the top. But I just I love that everyone found a show or a movie that meant so much to them and uh, is going to stay with them forever. And I'm lucky that I got to find so many within this. So like I said, there's very few that I won't... I mean, I'd watch all of them again. Maybe I wouldn't watch I Am Groot again. But they're only 10 minutes. It's like 10 minutes of my time, so why not? So... I am very excited for the future of the MCU for Phase 5. That starts up next year with Ant-Man Quantum Mania. Uh, and boy, that one's probably going to kick things off into, into overdrive as we get into some of these other films like the Marvels and Secret Invasion coming out. So tune it in, tune in here to Comics and Cinema. We'll be covering you with all of that. Um, uh, but for me, that's where we're going to wrap up this episode. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Klein, and we will see you at the movies.